Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It is awesome to see everybody out here today. But before we get going, I got to remember, who, who here has ever watched like an NCIS or something like that where they show the last 30 seconds of the show and then they go back and they rewind? Who's ever done that? Well, that's what that video was. That video was the last 30 seconds. We're going to touch base and then we're going to touch base at the end of it. Did you catch some of the statistics in that video? Half of everybody who will ever ask Jesus into their heart do so by the age of 12. Half. That's something pretty incredible. By the age of nine, their moral foundation has already been formed. That is what they think is good and bad, what they think is right and wrong. They've already been formed. And then by 13, their first basic beliefs of who God is, the reliability of the Bible, the existence of heaven and hell, and the lasting love of Jesus has already been formed. All of that by the age of 13. Core, basic, foundational stuff by the age of 13. And a lot of people think the parenting starts when they get older. It doesn't. It starts from the day that they're born. But before we jump into that, I'm Pastor Steve, if you don't know who I am. Um, I just want to introduce myself a little bit, just so that way you can know me. I have been on staff here as a family life pastor for five years. I have been in ministry for over 25, yeah, 25 years. Um, it's been an incredible run. It is just totally awesome to be able to do what I do every day, ministering to families and children. Um, I have five kids of my own. My oldest is 27. My youngest is 20. And I have three beautiful granddaughters. Um, love of my life. If you want to ever see them, see something wrapped around their pinky, it's their grandpa. So, um, I love them for everything that they have. Um, I've been, my beautiful wife, she is actually, I think she's serving right now. We've been married for 29 wonderful years, and it's awesome. Yes. I grew, I grew up in Minnesota, spent 40 years there before I came out here, um, and I came from, yeah, not a very good family, but you know what? God's grace is good, and I have grandparents, um, and that's what I'm going to say about that for right now. So, but let's jump into foundations. Uh, you'll see, as being a family life pastor, I, deal, I work a lot with kids. Uh, every Sunday, you don't see me because I'm usually with the kids. I like interaction. I like to, to interact with you guys, so I'm going to expect that. So if you guys are dull and boring, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep up here. But, so my very first question that I have for you guys is, if I say the word foundation... What is what you, what do you guys think? Define foundation for me. Raise your hand, define foundation for me. Strength, Strength okay. What else? Build it on a rock. Build it on a rock, awesome. What else? Oh, come on, guys. This is basic foundation. What, what, what do you think foundation is? What is? Family, Family okay. Stability. Stability. Beginning. Beginning. Those, are all, those are all great, great answers. Summarize it all up. In one sentence, how about if we do this? If we summarize it all up in one sentence, a foundation is the base on which everything is built. 
Does that sound like a great definition? It, it does. It's a, the foundation on which everything is built. And depending on the day, we go through our days and we realize that there's a lot of foundations that we have that we don't even think about. Because that's what a foundation does. A foundation is what's buried. It's something that we don't think about. We think about foundations. Um, we think about buildings. Buildings are a great foundation. They're, they're built on foundations. Our feet are foundations. We all know that. Um, roads. Most people think roads are just about that big. Roads are actually sometimes two and three feet thick with their foundations. Um, makeup. Who here uses foundation on their face every day? And a lot of, whoop, sir, you don't. No, just kidding, no. Um, cups, cups have a foundation. Cars have a foundation, the tires. And jobs, a lot of people use their job as a foundation. We don't think a lot about them because they're there. People before you have done their job. They've done their research. They've done all of the trials and the testing to make sure that the foundation works. But if a foundation fails, we know about it because we throw as much time and money and energy as we can to a foundation that, that, that takes and that fails. Think about it. What happens in your day if you have a flat tire? You throw whatever you can at it to be able to do that. If your feet hurt, you spend all the money you can. I know Pastor John, he's got a, lots of foundational pieces in his, he loves his shoes, so he's, he does that. Um, a leaky cup, we don't even think about a cup until it leaks, but what happens when it leaks? It, it creates a big mess. And then lots of, lots of a job. For, for some people that have all their foundation built on their job, when they lose their job, um, the world literally comes to an end. And so the question that I have is why do we spend so much energy and time and money on foundations that really don't mean a lot? They mean a lot, but they're, they're, they're just existence and they can go away. Where stuff that is eternal, everlasting foundations, we let by chance and just let stuff happen? That's the question that we're going to help answer today. So the first thing, though, is we want to be able to find out what it says in the Bible about foundations. Now, again, like I said, we're in children's, and I'm in children's, so we're going to do a lot with children. The first thing that I have is, who's got their Bibles? Okay, batter, which Bible? Raise your hands, be proud, share, look, everybody. We got, make sure we got our Bibles. You should always have your Bible with you, whether it's this kind of Bible or this kind of Bible. This is the sword of the Spirit. If you don't have this, you're missing a huge part of your armor and about, of your foundation. So here's what I want to do. I want everybody to go ahead, and whether it's your electronic Bible or your physical Bible, I want you to be able to look up Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 27. So everybody, take this time and look up Matthew chapter 7, Verses 24 through 27. Now once you find it, I need you to find a buddy that's right next to you. Not two rows away, just right next to you. And I want you to pair up. And I want one of you to read that Bible, those Bible verses to that other person. And then when you're done with that, 
I want you to read it, the one that just got done listening, to be able to read it back. So go ahead, find a partner, and let's go ahead and let's read the Bible verses back and forth to each other. Great. Well, I suppose I made you, I made you guys read the Bible and read the Bible verses. I suppose it's my turn being I haven't read them yet. So I've got my nice little Bible here that I've got marked, but I'm going to put this down, and actually I'm going to grab a little piece of paper here because I'm going to read it in a little bit of a different way. So it says, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them would be like a sensible man who built his house on a rock. Like a sensible man. Joel, are you back there? Are you my sensible man? Dude, why don't you go ahead and jump on your foundation? Well, as Joel gets on his foundation, he didn't forgot to look at... Hose got stuck, sorry. He forgot to look at the weather forecast because it says right here, the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds... So, the rains fell. This big rainstorm. Big rainstorm. And the winds blew, but we don't have the winds. And it pounded. But what did it say? His house stood strong because it's on a rock. But yet... It didn't collapse because the foundation was rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act like them will act like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Mr. Lawton, come on out here and stand on your house. Get on your house. Yes. Then again, it said, the rain fell. Oh, he forgot to take his glasses off. It really fell. Big storm. And the wind blew and it pounded his house. And it collapsed. And the collapse was great. Thank you, guys. Now, we could go ahead and we can leave it. That's a, a nice, cute little story and a nice, cute little object lesson, and we created a big mess. But the mess gets picked up. But that's just the end of what God was actually talking about. So if we take a look at that, that was a nice, big, bright red letters. Um, and he said a lot of things. God said a lot of things before that. So that was in chapter 7. So if we go back to the beginning of where God actually started talking... And we see in chapter 5 that he started talking. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. And he talked about what it means to be blessed. He talked about the salt and the light. He talked about the fulfillment of the law, which is a fulfillment of him. He talked about murder. He talked about adultery. He talked about divorce. He talked about oaths and promises. He talked about eye for an eye. He talked about loving our enemies. He talked about giving to the needy. He talked about how to pray. He talked about why to pray. He talked about fasting. 
He talked about treasures in heaven and how to get to heaven. He talked about do not worry. He talked about judging. He talked about seeking him. He talked about trees and fruit. He talked about the foolish and wise builders. So he talked about all those foundational things. And then he said, if you are smart, you would build your foundation on those things. And that's what would happen. If you didn't, that's what your foundation would look like. When we look at this, we're only going to look at three pieces because we could talk many weeks on foundations. But we're going to talk about three pieces of foundations that have everlasting value in our lives. The first one is our spirit or our child spirit. It's who we are. It is the communicator between us and God. It is the part of us who helps determine right and wrong. It's the part of us who determines how to override our emotions and our fears. It is a part of us who guides us to use God's given gifts. The second one that we're going to talk about is going to be our family, who we love, our spouse, our children, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our family on who we love and the importance of them. The third part is our church, who we do life with, who we get a sense of belonging and security with, our church who gives us spiritual growth and encouragement, our church, a place where we can develop our gifts and our talents, our church, a place where we get to learn about how to tell our story to others. So again, as a family life pastor, everything, my, my senses, I look through the glasses of families and kids. So as we talk about this today, we're going to be talking about our kids and, and families a lot. The first part is our spirit and who we are. A spirit of a child is everything. When they are born, they're a blank slate. We have the choice of just allowing them to become who they are because they are products of their environment and what they're around, their environment and the circumstances that they're around. We can either let them be, and when we let them be, they're going to become a broken body because we are broken people. Or we can take and we can train them and we can help them set a foundation. So the center, the core of who we are is our spirit. And some of the things that start off right away is our moral foundation. Our moral foundation is starting to develop even before we know who God is. What's right and wrong, what's good and bad, that is developed almost immediately. They know the buttons that they can push to get what they want and they know what they can say to be able to do that. It's our character traits and who we are, the right and wrong of knowing how to make those good decisions and be able to take a look at a circumstance and see if it's good or bad. It's our basic beliefs. It's our basic beliefs as well. Who is God? Why is God important? The reliability of the Bible, helping them understand that this is just not words. 
but this is the infallible word of God and everything that is in here is true. Not this was then and this is now, but everything in here is true. The existence of heaven or hell. There's a, a statistic that I don't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines that almost 50% of kids from the age of 9 to 18 don't believe in the existence of heaven or hell. That's scary. And then the most important one of all is understanding what the loving arms of God is about. The lasting love of Jesus Christ. Those are some of the things that's starting to get formed. Also part of our spirit is our gifts and talents. God has given each one of us gifts and talents. Even before the beginning of time, he knew what your gifts and talents are going to be. And he helps us define them by who we are in our spirit. A lot of us, we kind of hide them because we're afraid to even know what they are. But children, children are open to being able to learn and to guide and to be driven by their gifts and their talents. The other part of our spirit that is big, and as parents, we deal with it a lot, our will. Any of your children have wills? <laughs> yeah. I've got five children, and I've got five very distinct different wills. But that will, if left to its own desire, will be a broken will. But if it's trained and guided and it has a proper foundation, they'll be able to know and understand how to control their emotions and their intellect. The second piece, some of us agree with it, some of us disagree with it, but it's part of who we are. Our family. Our family has a big influence in our foundation in our basic foundation of who we are. Lots of influence in there. So for a minute I'm going to take off and I'm going to talk about one specific set of our family that has the most influence out of everybody. And that is parents. Parents, our job is to be able to create an environment to help our children grow physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's not always going to be fun. God didn't call us to be their friends all the time. There'll be plenty of time and plenty of opportunity for you to be their friend and to be able to enjoy some great times. And you can do all of that, but our most important job is to be able to develop them spiritually. Not the church, not the community, not their best friends, but our parent, as parents. That's one of the things I talk about in um, child dedication, we talk about in child dedication, is where, what do you want your kids to be when they grow up? Do you want them to be a superstar? Do you want to be this world-famous athlete, this gentleman or this lady that is part of this incredible orchestra? Those are things, in the big scheme of things, they don't really mean much. What kind of character do you want them to have when they leave your house? Do you want them to be compassionate? Do you want them to be loving? Do you want them to be caring? 
Those are things and traits that we talk about and being able to raise them spiritually. Now, here's the hard part and a little bit of veggies here is I see your kids. I see a lot of your kids and I see them up in children's church and I get to talk to them. Kids are so truthful. They don't hide anything. It doesn't matter what's going on at your house. A lot of times... I find out about it. <laughs> God wants us as parents not to live by the old cliche, do as I say, not as I do, because that doesn't work. Because you can say that all you want. They model you. Now here's the question. Who here, who here remembers saying, I'll never, ever be like my mom and dad? Who's ever said that? Who has turned around and said, Oh my gosh, I am my mom or my dad. <laughs> it happens. It is there. It is the biggest thing. We need to model, not say, we need to do what we expect and what we want our children to be able to do. Let's look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 6. It tells us pretty clear. It says, these commandments that I give to you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on the hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It didn't say, sit down and have a one-way discussion with your kid about that. It said, when you... When you, you need to be that role model. You need to be that role model. And unfortunately, I see a lot of things. We use our Bibles a lot in children's ministry. We have your kids for about 40 hours a week, or about 40 hours a year. You get have your kids for about 3,000 hours a year, besides sleeping and school and stuff like that. I ask your children to be able to open up their Bible. They have no clue what it means to be able to open up a Bible. I ask them to pray. A lot of them have no clue how to pray. What are you really modeling for your kids? As parents, you need to think about their foundation and what kind of foundation you're building on them. The second part of that is creating an open relationship with your kids. One that they can talk about, talk to you at any time, any place, anywhere, about anything. The good and the bad. That is so critically important. And that starts when they are days old. And I have a living example of that one. My oldest son, you guys don't know him a lot. He was, when we moved here, he was a senior in high school. My oldest son, last five years, he's made some very bad decisions in his life. But we've always had a relationship where he could call and talk to us anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Well, he's made a relationship decision, or he's made a decision that's ended him up in jail. So he's currently serving time in Florida for a pretty bad thing that's going to affect the rest of his life. 
But you know who the first person was that he called when he got arrested? It was his dad. Who's the one that when he calls up from jail at 8 o'clock in the morning, because that's when he could call, and he yells at you, and he tells you, I hate you. You're the reason why I'm in jail. You listen to him, and then you just tell him, I love you. But it pays off, guys. I got to say it pays off. We got a five-page letter from him this last Friday. And in his time in jail, and it's just really been the last month that he has rededicated his life and he's baptized and he is on fire right now within the circumstances he can, living for Jesus. So he had a foundation. He built another one of sand, but now he's working back towards that because that didn't change. And you have to have that relationship. The last part is all you grandparents out there, don't think that you don't have influence over your grandchildren. That's what I'm just going to tell you right now. I wouldn't be up here today if it wasn't for my grandpa and grandma. Because my family, I don't talk about them much because really, there's nothing really good to talk about them. But because of my grandpa and grandma, I'm here today through their prayer. Because of my grandpa and grandma sitting Actually, it was probably an hour ago now. Sitting, standing on a stage, not much like mine, is my sister preaching to a congregation as well. And it's because of grandparents praying us through a horrible situation that we, that we lived through. So grandparents, you have power. More power to help create and to pray through the spirit aspect of the foundation of your grandchildren. So don't forget that. Now the third part. Our church. Who we do life with. Most of us, we do life with family, but the majority of what we do life with is our church family. We create relationships that last a lifetime. Not just for us as adults, but for our children. My children still have friends back in Minnesota that they still talk to, that they developed when they were two years old, three years old, four years old. It helps create foundation. It creates belonging. It creates relationship. The church also helps us through the roller coasters of life the ups and the downs and the spinning around, that's what church family is there for. And that's why it's super important. It's super important to worship and to teach our children to worship. And we do that not just down here when we're worshiping with you guys. Upstairs, we are teaching them hands-on practical instruction on what it means to love God, what it means to love your neighbor when you really use words like, I hate that person. We teach them what it means to be able to pray for you when you're sick, pray for neighbors who are sick, pray for the bully that just got done beating me up. Hands-on practical instruction. 
And we give you guides as parents. I don't know how many of you have ever read those little guides that we send home with you. But we give you practical instruction to be able to help you and reinforce what they just got done learning in some of that 3,000 hours that you guys have. Part of our church is connecting. Miss Amber was here in our first service. I'm not sure where she is now. But Miss Amber is ahead of our connects. Connect. Connect groups are so important. Because truly, right here, right now, sitting in these nice little chairs, you can fake how your life is happening. You can put a smile on. My life is good. I've got my armor on my wife. My kids are great for that hour. Connect groups is where it gets real. That's where you live out all of the situations that you have. And that's where the accountability happens. Where, why are you acting like that? I thought you were supposed to be saved and following Jesus Christ. Why is that attitude that way? That's what a connect group does. A connect group holds accountability and helps you with your spiritual growth. And not only for you, but for your kids. Because when you're connecting, your kids are connecting and growing as well. As a church, it helps us serve. It helps your children understand what it means to use their gifts and their talents. Right now, throughout this building, we have many kids between the ages of 8 and 18 that are serving. Upstairs doing the sound, upstairs doing the lights, downstairs holding and playing with and reading over your children in the preschool ministry, teaching and instructing your children because they are in the God-given gifts that they've been given and this is an opportunity for them to be able to develop them. And that's what the church does for your children, is to be able to do that. And the last one, as far as the church, it teaches them that it's not scary to be able to share your life story. All you're doing is talking to somebody about how much God loves you. And we're working through that with our ki the kids so that they're not afraid to be able to do this. I have one little girl. I love her. She talks to Jesus, and she's not afraid to tell others about who Jesus is. Whether it's at school or whether it's at home. I, I, I just love her. I love when her mom tells me that she talks to a girl at school and she's invited to their birthday party, and she wants to get her a Bible for a birthday present. How awesome is that? I have another, another little girl that in this last year, and I've talked to her mom, in this last year, she has led five people to Christ. She's a second grader, and she's led three adults and two kids to Christ this last year. You clap. That's great. How many people have you led to Christ? Really, guys? Sharing your story, having that foundation, that's what children ministry is all about. And that's what we do, is with that growth, that spiritual growth, and be able to nurture that. Now, you've got done listening to me for the last 25 minutes. 
One of the things that we do in children's ministry is we teach them, we instruct them, we have fun, we do different things, but then we have what we call small group time. And small group time is time where we get into small groups and we get real. We talk about what we just got done doing. So we're going to do that a little bit today. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into groups of three or four, no more than four, because if you get in bigger groups than that, not everybody is going to have a chance to talk, and everybody's going to have the chance to talk. So when, I, when, when it's time, groups of three or four, the oldest person in the group, so the oldest person in your group is going to be the facilitator. Okay, now what the facilita- facilitator is, the facilitator is the person that makes sure that everybody has an opportunity to talk. And the facilitator is also the person that if somebody is taking too much time, can say, let somebody else talk in a gracious manner. And we're going to be answering two questions. The first question that I want you to be able to to answer, and you can just fake it till you make it if you want, or you can really have a good discussion, is the first question is, how is... How is my spiritual foundation? First question, how is my spiritual foundation? After what we just got done talking about, and we just talked about three areas of your foundation. How is your spiritual foundation? The second one, how is the spiritual foundation of your family? And that could be immediate family. That could be if you've got older kids, older kids. However, however you determine your family. So we're going to give you a few minutes Get in groups of three or four, and let's have a great application of how our foundations are. If you want to continue those great conversations afterwards, great. I encourage that highly. That's part of that accountability. That's a part of that connecting, which is something that we always want to be able to do. So today, I've got two calls of action for you. The very first one is we're going to go back to that slide that we just got done in the video that we just got done seeing right at the beginning. So we're just bringing it right back around. So one half of all people who ever believe in Christ do so by the age of 12. By the age of 9, the basic moral foundation has been set and formed. By age of 13, children have developed their first basic belief about God, about, the, about God, about the reliability of the Bible, about the existence of heaven and hell, and about the lasting love of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to be able to say that as a family life pastor and working with the children, that it takes a lot of people to be able to train up a child. Parents who say that they can do it by themselves, they usually end up sitting in my office um, It takes a lot to be able to train up a child and to be able to love up on a child. So if today, if what we've talked about today has stirred something in your heart, stirred something in your spirit, and you know that you're supposed to be working with children, whether it is somebody that's one years old or somebody that's 18 years old, we don't want warm bodies. I don't. I don't need somebody that's just going to occupy a space. I need somebody who is willing to show and be the hands and the feet and the love of Jesus. Kids don't care how much you know. They want to know 
how much you care. And I've got many, many examples of that within the children's ministry. I've got one that I know that is, her name is Miss Pam. She started with me five years ago. She knew nothing. She was scared. She came in. She just started attending church. She only attended church for a few months, but God just kind of showed her that she wanted to be able to be in the children and work with children. She didn't know how to do that or anything else. Five years later today, she is one of the most influential teachers that I have. And it's because she loves them for who they are. So if that's you, the first call of action is to be able to, after we're done, go back to the children's welcome desk. It's back by the bathrooms. And ask one of the people there. And they'll show you how to get started within the children's ministry. It's great. You'll never, ever regret it. The second part is with that foundation that was up here, there was one big piece that was missing. And it doesn't matter whether it's a child or an adult, and the cornerstone was missing in that foundation. And that cornerstone is Jesus. Without that cornerstone in there, no matter how good you think your foundation is, it's going to fail. Point blank, it's going to fail. The best part is, is that Jesus wants to have us and have a relationship with us and be the cornerstone. And he wants it so, us to be that, him to be that cornerstone so much, he's made it super simple, just like ABC. To have him as a cornerstone, the first thing that we need to be able to do is to admit that we mess up, that we're not perfect. And to be able to accept that, that, that that's who we are. The second part is to be able to believe that Jesus died just for us. But more importantly than just dying just for us, that he came back to life for me, for you, for you individually because he wants to be that cornerstone. Is to be able to believe that. Not believe it up here in our head, but to believe it in our spirit down here where we are. So if you got butterflies right now, this is good. Because that shows you that God is working within you. And then see, and the hardest part of all is to be able to choose. Jesus is a perfect gentleman. He won't go anywhere he's not asked. And to be able to choose to ask him to become part of your life story. Some of us asked Jesus to be part of our life story in chapter 10. Some of us asked Jesus to be part of our life story in chapter 15. Some of us in chapter 40. If we're a little bit older, some of us. But when he comes into our life story, he wants to be the central figure from now until we do this. So now we're going to do it a little bit differently than you guys normally do it down here. We're going to do it like we do up in children's ministry. So what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer. And we're going to, I'm going to have you guys be able to repeat that prayer back after me. If you are out here, and this is the exact same things that I tell the kids, if you are out there right now and you know that you have Jesus as your cornerstone, what I want you to be able to do is I want you to pray for all the people that are around you that might not know Jesus and have Jesus as your cornerstone. But I also need your mouth to be able to repeat the prayer. 
if you have those butterflies in your stomach or if you've been contemplating that about asking Jesus into your heart, this is the right time to be able to do it. There is no better time than now. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes if we need to be able to close our eyes to be able to focus. If you need to be able to fold your hands to keep them not from being a distraction or stick them in your pocket, go ahead and do that. But I'd like you guys to be able to repeat this after me. And we're going to repeat it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. I ask you to help me because I admit that I mess up. I admit that I don't do it intentionally. It just happens sometimes. But right now, I believe that you died for me. I also believe that you rose to be part of my life. So today, I choose to ask you to be part of my life story. Jump into my book and help me live a new way from today till the day I get to meet you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus, he's pretty jealous. He does not want a relationship that is just a hidden relationship. He wants everybody to know that he has a relationship. So if you're out there today and you truly ask Jesus into your heart, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you have asked Jesus to recommit your life to Jesus, I want you to be able to stand up. If you can't do it in a safe environment like this, then when are you going to be able to do that? And I know there's a lot of people around here that when you stand up, they're going to give you high fives, they're going to give you hugs, they're going to want to have a discussion with you on what the next steps are, but to be able to welcome you into the family of God. So if you ask Jesus in your heart for the first time or you recommitted your life today, I want you to stand up right now. Look at that. Now, all you guys that are around them, love up on them. Let's go ahead. We're going we're gonna to praise and worship. So let's everybody stand up. But the people that stand up, make sure you love on them during this song. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.